0: Everybody, welcome back to Holistic Finance. I am Ryan Burklow,
1: and I'm Alex Collins.
0: And on today's episode, we're going to talk about the top three financial concepts that we believe you should learn.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately, a lot of this stuff is not taught in school. It's not something that people really get a chance to learn unless they intentionally seek it out or they have uh, parents that are financially savvy.
0: Yeah, and. As naturopathic doctors, right, you, you all have gone through a ton of schooling, right, and you've gone into a lot of you into some some debt to fund that schooling. Absolutely. And then, and then you're, you turn around and you either join a practice or maybe eventually start a practice to help your patients. And a, one of the biggest driving force as to the value that you'll be able to bring is the money that you earn and how good you are with that money so that you can in turn, put that back into the practice to help more patients. And we
1: a hundred percent understand that for 99% of you, that is not the driving factor. The driving factor is to help people and, and teach holistic
0: medicine and help people be better with their health. And we love that mission, which is why we started this podcast. We also understand that you all have to thrive, and for you to thrive, you do have to be financially successful in the
1: practice. And so, here are three financial concepts that you have to learn and apply. And if you need help, great, reach out. There's there's resources there for you.
0: Yeah, so let's let's start with number one here, Alex. Uh, so, and this is a maybe the overarching theme across everything that we do is. Right, as naturopathic doctors, you have to worry about, okay, how much money should I be having in my savings account? How much money should I be putting into my practice? How much protection of insurance should I have? Should I start a retirement plan? How am I going to fund my kid's college? Right, I can keep going with- <laughs> <laughs> What legal documents do I need? How do I hire staff? Like, right? there, there's just so much stuff. So, In what order do you attack that? Well, there is an order of operations that you can kind of use as a blueprint for that. For sure. And, and I mean, so much of this is just making sure that we're
1: addressing things in the, in the proper way. And from a general standpoint, it is going to be address the worst threats or biggest concerns first. Anything that can completely knock us out of being able to practice and having our practice grow and thrive Those are the things that we're going to need to make sure that we address first.
0: So financially speaking, if your income stops, what happens, right? Like everything you've been doing can like literally be taken away. And the next
1: things that we do are we build from today forward because things like retirement, important to get started on earlier. And the earlier that we get started on it, the better off we're going to be. And if we focus on retirement to start and don't focus on building our practice, protecting our income, making sure that we've got proper legal documents in place, things of that nature. If something happens, all of the stuff that we did for retirement, as awesome and amazing as that may have been, is all for not because it's pulled out of that to take care of the fact that we didn't do the other things.
0: Yeah. So that step, that step one in that order, right, is protecting your income first. Step two in that order of operations is focus on savings, right? We've had episodes on both of these topics, right? Our suggestion is to get to a 20% saving rate. Mm -hmm. So 20% of your gross income, it doesn't happen day one. Like we get that, but if your focus is on savings, after you've protected your income, how much flexibility, how, how does that keep your lifestyle in check? Like what all comes from that? Right, and that twenty percent savings can't go entirely
1: back into your practice. Some of it has to be built outside of your practice.
0: Yep. Step three, this goes to Alex's point around some of the practice and some outside of the practice. Right, we have to have access to some of this money, right? And it's not always the negative side of things, although it's an important piece. That's that's what could, you know really hurt if you don't have access to money and something negative occurs and you needed money. So you might have to go into a lot of debt if you can even go into debt, right? Right. But also for opportunity, right?
1: Yeah. Having access to cash when a building becomes available or to add staff or an extra piece of equipment or something of that nature can be huge. And it can significantly grow the practice, grow your income, grow your future revenue.
0: And then step four in this order of operations is obviously paying off debt, but paying off your bad debt first.
1: And by bad debt, it's typically
0: not tax deductible and it's typically a higher interest rate. And these tend to be credit cards, right? Maybe lines of credit depending on what that interest rate is. So typically it's that your student loans normally don't fall into that bad credit definition.
1: It's not to say that we don't want to get rid of them. We just don't want to focus on getting rid of them first.
0: So there's your four steps. And it happens throughout life. Like early on when you graduate, right? It's just like, okay, how do I protect the income? Like I just started my, my practice or what have you, how do I protect it? How do I start saving? right? How do I have a savings account from a liquidity standpoint that we just spoke about having access to the money? And then, okay, should I, or how much should go towards the debts that I've accrued? Then as you go through life, right? Then you've got maybe 10 years down the line or five years down the line. So now you've got adequate savings, your income's gone up a bit. So maybe you protect it a little bit better, right? Now you're like, okay, how much money should be going into retirement accounts versus back in the practice, right? That's step three, looking at, how much liquidity you need and should have. And then, okay, what debts have you accumulated and what's the overall plan, right? So when you have a plan and a a strategy in place, it's ever moving. The plan is not stable or linear. (laughs) Yeah. It's not, it's not static things. The only thing that's constant is change. So, but that blueprint is still there. So that's number one, order of operations. We've had an episode on that. So if you want more details into that, definitely check that out. Number two, in terms of financial concepts is a time value of money, Alex. And this is most of the time, I think people hear this and they like, oh crap, here comes the financial advisor talk. So why don't we, why don't we simply explain time value of money and, and how they should use it?
1: Sure. Right, so the, the basic concept is a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow. And as proof of this, hey, Ryan, let me borrow a hundred bucks. I'll give you a hundred bucks in a year. I'm gonna want some interest on that hundred bucks, Alex. Yeah, so that is an example of the time value of money. Whatever Ryan's gonna ask for in interest, that is the value. And when we start talking about time value of money, you know, essentially what we're trying to do is figure out like, okay, what is the difference between a dollar today and a dollar in the future? Um, So for, and and this has widespread applications, whether it's taking a look at debt structure or how to save for retirement or mortgages or student debt, where to choose in terms of order of operations, all of this involves time value of money. And to a the, there's a component of this that's just math. And it's, it's not low level math. It's relatively high level to try and like understand exactly how this works. Um, I mean I still remember the formula because I'm a math nerd, but it, it so much of it is just understanding the basic concept and then trying to apply that to specific circumstances and situations.
0: It's a key ingredient to making, decisions financially, which is, it's interesting. Step three is comparative analysis, right? So we can have this time, value, and money component in it, in that comparative analysis. The biggest issue that we see when people are trying to compare where should my money go is they really don't make it a real apples to apples comparison.
1: Right. And like when we're trying to figure out, okay, how do we compare dollars over time really, what we should use is our our rate of return is what's our highest best use of the of our dollar. So if we don't put our dollar into this, paying off student debt or building up emergency reserve or whatever else, where else would we put it? What's the value of putting it there? And that's the type of comparison that we're that we're adding. Now, when we start doing the comparative analysis, now we have to factor in other other concepts like, Hey, do we need to have working capital? What happens if we're, we run too skinny, meaning we don't have enough working capital, and now we're having a hard time meeting payroll or paying our bill, or paying our bills or whatever else? And so, like, even though creating liquidity is never going to win from a time value of money concept, it will win in terms of comparative analysis, because we need liquidity. We need to have access to funds. And so here is this is an example where time value of money is a component, it's not the be all end all.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna say something. I'm actually curious, Alex, cause we did not speak about this prior to, to recording this. Um, I, was, I read the book, um, The Psychology of Money uh, by mm-hmm. Morgan Housel, um, really good book. Uh, you know, if if you're interested in in learning about that and, and he takes you through the history, like the U.S. history and how different generations have experienced money and how what was going on in the world, like interest rates in the 70s versus like, OK, how did that carry forward to where we're at today? And what are how does that create myths? Right. Because if high interest rates were in the 70s and we were taught to always pay off our debt, that's where it stemmed from. But well, today there's no, it's really low interest rates. So does that same always pay off all of your debt philosophy hold true? So it takes you through that as well as we're, we're human beings. And this is my point that I was going to say, Alex, I'd love to hear your, your feedback on this. We are human beings. We are not machines. So rather than focusing on being rational, which is literally impossible to be (laughs) rational all the time, even Alex and I are not rational 100% of the time. What he says is rather than being rational all the time, be reasonable. Yes. And that just kind of slapped me in the face, like, holy crap, like, that is like, that is the solution, I think, to a lot of our financial problems that occur. Totally agree with that. And it's one of those
1: things where like at times we can go ahead and run through numbers and say, hey, a rational person wouldn't pay off the mortgage because it's you know a two and a half percent interest rate, that's basically inflation. And so like we're going to have a better rate of return putting our money elsewhere beyond our mortgage. And if it gives you the warm fuzzy that allows you to sleep at night, do it because that is reasonable. It may not be rational, but it's reasonable. And being able to sleep at night is critically important. If you can't sleep at night because you're worried about your mortgage, that's a problem. Now, there might be other ways that we can like help po- help folks get to a warm fuzzy where they're not worried about their mortgage. however it doesn't matter unless we get to that point of comfort and therefore being able to sleep so there's it, it, it's not just do what is the most rational thing a hundred percent of the time and, and it it's hilarious like I remember being in school and learning math and then all of a sudden one day the teacher put... A dollar sign in front of the numbers for the math and like half the class stopped being able to do math. It, it totally baffled me. The dollar sign literally did nothing to the numbers and yet half of the people stopped being able to calculate things properly.
0: Well, that kind of shows you how early in life emotions take, a, take control of you when it comes right. to money. Like that just, that was another, that just hit me like, holy crap. Like that's emotions kicking in and they probably learned that from their parents. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, Maybe not, maybe not verbally, but maybe witnessing their parents go through different emotional stages of money,
1: fighting over money or making decisions around what they were doing from, you know, family vacations to where dollars were going, how they talked about it, how they invested, all of those different things, Like so much of our financial education comes from our parents, for better or worse, because this isn't a topic that gets discussed a lot. Um, it's a taboo topic here in America, and we don't do a good job of teaching these, th- this topic in schools for the most part, you have to seek out knowledge around finances. And to a large extent, we're left to our own devices to try and figure out where and why and when and how.
0: The biggest effect, there's two pieces in our life that has the biggest effect on us, your health and your wealth, right? And what I mean by that is, It's like, you can go to the extremes and that's not, that's not good. Right. Like the extreme on the health side, right. Like really monitoring everything and really going crazy as well as extreme focus on wealth is not good. The opposite is also not good. Right. No focus on it being extremely unhealthy, not saving any money and having, and having not setting yourself up. But the fact, Ryan, are you trying to say that
1: creating balance in life is the key to success? Yes, naturopathic doctors,
0: huh? Go <laughs> <laughs> figure. So that the key ingredient is there in the middle, right? If you don't have, if you're ultra, if you're one side, if you're ultra negative, you're not going to live a healthy life. You're not going to live a long life. You're not going to be able to do everything you wanted in life, and that coincides with the wealth aspect too. If you're not focusing on that, or at least having some focus on that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So the the third
1: step is comparative analysis. And what we're talking about here is trying to make sure that we've got the same inputs on both sides. You know, if we've got one plan where we're putting 20 grand in and another plan where we're putting 50 grand in and the 50 grand plan wins, did we learn anything? Sort of. We learned that putting more money into something makes it perform better, but it doesn't tell us which one is more efficient. We don't actually get to truly compare that unless we figure out, okay, where else, like in plan one that only required 20K, where would we put 30 grand? And now if we do that, now we can compare apples to apples because both plans have 50K going into them. And that's the type of analysis work that we need to do is try and make sure that we're limiting the number of variables so that we can figure out which strategy is actually more successful. And and when we start limiting the number of of variables and we only make maybe one change in between plan A and plan B, now we can figure out, okay, did A work better or did B work better? But we have to make
0: sure that the inputs are similar. So in review, the, the top three financial concepts that we believe you should learn that will have probably the biggest impact on your practice, both business, obviously, and personal, is number one, order of operations. Learn them, abide by them. Number two, understanding the time value of money. Understand that a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow. And number three, comparative analysis. When you're actually analyzing where should dollars be going or how to pay off debts, like when you're doing an analysis of financial dealing with your finances, do it properly, right? Don't, don't overlook something as simple as like inputs, not being the same, right? Now it's not always the case where you can do the same inputs. However, try to make it as, as apples to apples as you possibly can. So we've been talking about a lot of different financial topics in different episodes, Alex. And You and I were talking about it early on before we we hopped on here to record. And so our question today is is, is really, is the question around all of the episodes that we've done, Alex, right?
1: Yeah, what we're looking for is what has delivered the most value to you? What do you like that we're doing? What would you like us to do differently? And the question that we're really asking, all those other ones are great, but what we really wanna hear from you is what has been your biggest takeaway thus far from the Holistic Finance podcast?
0: So head over to holistic-finance.com and at the bottom of the page, there's a spot for you to answer that question today. We hope, I mean, the goal of this podcast is to bring financial topics to light and to help you build the practice so that you can help your patients. As always, we hope this episode was valuable for you. And Mr. Collins. Make it a great day.
2: Guardian and subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax legal or accounting advice. Consult your tax legal or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 333 North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California 91711. Telephone 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Berklo, AR Insurance License number 15319412, CA Insurance License number 0k24924. Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License Number Seven Two Six Four Six Nine Nine, CA Insurance License Number Zero H Two Four Eight Zero Six, Pinpoint Number Twenty Twenty One One Two Seven Four Three Nine, Expiration September Twenty Twenty Three.